All right. And welcome back to Cowboys the Hell Part 2. <laughs> the only time you will ever see a rehearsed show from Frog Level Randy and Morgantown Mark. Last week, we were having the best show we ever had. We were rolling. People were commenting. And Mark, the internet went. <clears throat> and so we got some good rehearsal, man. Yeah, and I feel bad. I went and looked at that when our, I thought it was on mine, and then I found out it started in Australia and worked its way here. So being up in the, in well, the, you know, in I the sticks, popular. I don't feel so bad. I am popular in Australia. That, yeah, yeah, right. All <laughs> right. Well, famous famous down under. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. We, we won't be covering minute work today, yeah, unfortunately. But we will be covering what is a revolutionary album. And we were just talking about it before we come on the air. You know, again, I'll say what I said last week, Mark. Everyone says Nirvana killed metal. Metal went underground, really. And it went underground with Pantera. This album was recorded in 89, released in 90. Mark, and it it holds up so well. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can go right out of the gate and take just talk about why it holds up and not in the music. We, and I hate to say, well, we talked about it last week, but we did. What I always find a little strange with this, I'm going to call it an album. I'm going to date myself. But what I find a little strange with this, uh, you know, we came up with the era of LP where I'm going to just throw it all out there. I came up in the era of eight track LP cassette, CD, digital CD, MP3, and then flat. So I've heard my ears have heard it all. And this is one of the few CD albums that holds up to the test of time dynamically. Right. And right out of the gate, man, by the grace of God, the sky's parting, getting Terry Date to be the producer and the, the, the wealth of knowledge that he already brought to the table. I mean, he had already produced Soundgarden. And if you've got the ear, you'll hear a little bit of Kim from Soundgarden in that mix, just from Terry Date and his engineer's ear. He's also produced Sir Mix-a-Lot. He's also produced Queen's Rock. Uh, to me, that's a little all over the place for my right. musical taste, especially when you go, well, we're going to go from Sir Mix-a-Lot to Pantera. I would have been nervous, and the guys were nervous. They wanted Max Norman. That's Ozzy's producer. And I'm a huge, let me stop. I'm a huge Ozzy Osbourne band fan. I'd not, I'm not a fan of Ozzy Osbourne. I'll just make people mad right now. But the man has got the ear to get good people around him. And Max Norman was going to be his producer, or uh, Pantera's producer, same with Ozzy. I, I, Jakey Lee and his work and all those guys and Randy Rose and everybody, that, and, and Zach, the guys that worked with Ozzy, to me that hasn't aged well sound-wise. It's still got that compressed analog to digital sound. Yeah. And this Cowboys from Hell, you can play it on a little itty bitty speaker on your phone to the best sound system you want to put in your house or car. And it, I mean, it's hitting you. It's well, very well mixed. It's a so great I was coming, I was coming home today and I had my iPhone 11, which is about as good as you can get in today's market when it comes to reproduction of music. And I'm in my, Nissan Rogue, which doesn't have the greatest stereo system, but I crank it up off my phone and man, it sounds so good. It's solid. It's clear. It's boomy. It's raspy. You hear the bass, you hear the guitar, you hear the drum and you hear the vocals. You can't say that with that with right. today's music. 
Right. I mean, so let's 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 get back before we jump into the album a little bit. Right. This this band goes around Texas and and is is a huge star around the Arlington Dallas area. Um, and, and you know a lot of people talk about local bands that and we've had a few in our area that kind of establish a touring schedule where they might you know be in some small towns clubs and they can make a nice living. Pantera had kind of pieced together a little bit of a a band and it was very 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 1980s spandex dated uh they used like uh Dimebag Dime Daryl was Diamond Daryl. Uh, there was definitely an era of that Motley Crue rat look. And uh, also, Dimebag Daryl looked like he had an eight and six months. So it was, it, it's almost that boy cringeworthy. Sang. It's almost cringeworthy at this point, Mark. Yeah. You know, researching it for this album, I went back and listened to some of the earlier stuff. And, you know, be honest, you're not going to go listen to early Pantera unless you're a Pantera fan. No. And uh, I went back and listened, and just you could hear the the band coming. I mean, they're, and you got to remember too, some of those albums, man, they were prom prom school. They were a prom school band, yeah, and they were recording. Absolutely. Their dad's an engineer in Texas, so they've been around music. You know, I'm going to say basically all their life. So they got the ear, they got the knack, but they're not there yet, man. And then hearing those old albums, you could hear his fretwork hit note accurately. And you're going, I know he called himself Diamond back then, but you can hear Dime coming on. And they said it was just like in between just a couple albums that he was playing pretty good. And he was even winning contests. You know, at 16, he got banned and he couldn't get any more guitar contests. He won them. He walked home with guitars all the time. I got mad about it and let him judge. But he's still not got that Dime bag sound yet. And then it snapped in him, and they said it was almost overnight it clicked. So the time they got Phil on board, they're kind of starting to figure out what they really want to do. And thank God they did, because uh, those first albums, man, from the artwork to the cheesiness, I, I, I cringe. I, I really do. And it's not bad music. It's just, you know, that genre already was dying. And, you know, we talked about it before the show came on. Personally, I was walking away from it. I saw one more hair band, I was going to throw up. So, you know, I was gravitating toward thrash and grunge. And I, I think I went a little bit more grunge just because of the rhythm in it. But this came along at the right time. So what had happened um, is they had, a, they had a lead singer named Terry Glaze, yeah, and they changed his name to Glam at one point. Yeah. And they even went to California and they recorded it three or four albums with Terry Glaze, Glam, whatever you want to call him. And they're very, very pop metal. So in an effort to get heavier, they recruited Phil Anselmo from Louisiana, from the New Orleans area. And if you assume that Phil Anselmo has always been that gutterly <laughs> arr, arr, nah, man. over this town, you should listen to some, I mean, Cemetery Gates is a great example. This is a guy that could sing it all. He could sing falsetta. He could do the Jeff Tate Queen's Reich sound. Great compression in his voice, you know. Great. I heard a so in preparation for this, I went and watched some of the YouTube reactions. Yeah. Um, where the vocal uh 
vocal coaches then talk about yeah, oh my god first time i've ever heard this this is so great yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to kill myself with it but yeah yeah the, there's some good tidbits every once in a while the lady who i seem to go to a lot that really seems to know what she's talking about she said his compression was that of a world-class opera singer and if you can hear <laughs> if you go from the line the we're taking over this town. Right, taking over this town, and then he brings it right back up. Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely amazing what he did with his vocal range. And um, the last album they did before Cowboys from Hell came out, as you said, was kind of a pop, an 80s metal. Yeah. Kind of crossed with what was coming. But um, you did listen to that one, and you thought it was okay. I thought it was okay. I'll be honest. You know, I heard, I actually heard, I heard some Ace Freely in there. And then I heard a little bit of Edward Van Halen in there. You can tell it, it was like a cross pollination of Kiss and Van Halen, which I think there's always also that little bit of a parallel universe going on with the Abbott brothers. You know, Alex Van Halen, Van Halen's a drummer, the guitarist. We got Dimebag. You got Eddie Van Halen and heavy, big Van Halen. I can't understate it enough was a huge influence to Absolutely. the band. And it wasn't the, it wasn't the lead. If you really sit down and really listen to both bands and you start trying to see where the cross pollination happened, it's not in Dimebag's lead work that he's, he's happy to hear Van Halen. You know, Van Halen was probably one of the best rhythm guitarists ever. And Don yeah. picked that up. And that's where I think that's really how groove metal got its seed planted. And uh, thank goodness that he, he, they said that he played Van Halen records, so they wore out. So, and it shows. I, I like the, the last album they had before they went hard. I actually like it. The stuff before that, man, um, I'll put, I'll listen to it maybe once every three years. So, it, it's tough at times. I yeah. mean, it really is. It's but then they're 16 and 17. So, right. What was I doing then? I wasn't even close to that. So, I know what you were doing. My hat's off to you. You weren't being productive. No, at all. <laughs> so, uh, let, so you get this band tours together for many, many years. They get rock solid. They get good. They've got the background of the two brothers. They're a huge influence of Kiss. It would be remiss right now if I didn't mention that Dime is buried in a Kiss coffin with the guitar off the back of the Van Halen 2 album. Right. So, there, I mean, if you don't think the pollination was there, I mean, that that was the end of the full circle for his life with that. And so, uh, it's pretty awesome, actually. Tragically, have lost Don Back Daryl to the most disturbing thing I've ever heard in rock, murdered while he was on stage. And then Benny Paul, we recently lost from health conditions. So, one and happened, he, Let's be honest, too. His brother, I, I've watched a lot of interviews with him. He's trying to be calm, cool, and collected. You know, I, I, you know, I've moved on. I moved on. You know, he just—he did not. It, it had to be the most tragic thing for a brother to watch another brother killed on stage. Yeah, I mean, um, I wasn't there, and I'm not over it. So, that's also the split between Rex Brown, Phil Anselmo, and the two Paul brothers, uh, Abbott brothers, were really. It was nasty at the end. Um, it, it was, and I have to admit, um, 
being so, you know, you, you feel like you want to pick sides on, on, you know, from people you don't even know. But I admit, I went, I went the downside. I went to, I went to Rex, you know, he played on the first down album. Yeah. And, uh, I'll be honest, man. I love down. There's some it's stuff floating around a down three that they were trying to get out. I think it's fantastic work. You know, Paul's, he's got, he's not singing as hard as he used to, you know, lyrically wise. And it's more melodic. I really like it. And it, I don't want to say it breaks my heart, but you're like, man, what could have been? And, uh, you know, sadly we'll never know. And just to go a little further with the history of the band, there was a talk of, for a while after Dime died, getting Zach Wilde to be the guitarist for Pantera, you know, kind of a rebirth of Pantera. Yeah. I, for one, am glad that never happened. I Me don't. Too. I think, I think a good closure moment though, come at Benny Paul's yeah. memorial service. And it was very, very Phil Anselmo-ish, but he said like 10 words and, that kind of put a closure to Pantera to me in my heart. Yeah. And um, it, it ended the drama, you know, there was always drama with this, these guys and it, it ended it, you know, now we get the music. So, so time to take care of all that. And people talk about drama. Let's, 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 let's imagine, you know, you and I have been friends since we were their age, right? Over 40 years. Could you imagine trying to manage your life with your same friends? And all of a sudden you're mega rich with mega demands on you and mega, you know, anything you want. I'm not sure that any friendship that lasts 40 years. I don't, I don't so, think I could have handled it. I mean, you think about it personally, no. you're, even though you're young and in your twenties, you're not sleeping well. I don't care what you say. Not, not the poor musician. I'm what was me. I'm on the road. My, my poor life, but my professional life, you know, I've traveled for job sites putting construction jobs in after a while you're tired and I can't imagine being cooped up on a bus and a plane and a, and a room for three years straight on one tour with the same guys. Oh my gosh. You need a break from yourself. And you know, the, the, the record company is just going to grind you up to get more money out of you. So I, I see how it fell apart. It's a shame it fell apart, but you know, it seems like the more intense the band is the greater the odds. So, right. And, it um, is what it is. And, you know, I kind of almost cited with the Abbott brothers in it. But when you go back and you read and now you look at how major of the surgeries Phil Anselmo had in his drug addiction, it's really a tragic circumstance. But out of all this tragedy is born a 10 year, not even 10 year period, five albums, basically, of great music. Oh, my gosh. That, yeah, you know, that said, too, I, I said I went to down. On the flip side, too, man, I was a huge Damage Plan fan. Uh, to, say, <laughs> yeah. to say I was huge, uh, that's an understatement. And then they had this little side-side project called Gasoline. And Dime, if you, if you dig deep enough on YouTube, you'll find it. And Dimebag's singing on it. And it's I, ain't, I don't want to say, well, it ain't bad. It really isn't bad. And you're like, I think, man, you know, you wonder what if, what if that band had grown instead of getting fractured? I think we could have got even some more better music, but we're, I'm glad we got what we got. Well, I was so. lucky enough to see both Pantera and Hell Yeah. I never saw Damage Plan, sadly. I saw Down at a festival, but it was a very abbreviated version of Down. 
Right. He had, um, he had players in and out all the time. Yeah, and it wasn't the Rex Brown version of down. It was definitely a later version of down. But, you know, Phil is still making some music and Phil's still playing. But all that said, when this album finally does it, so they 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 thought they hired a producer. He comes, he goes, hey, guys, I can't produce this album. Right. I got $50,000 to go produce Dawkins. I'm leaving. I need to make this money. Uh, then they bring in Terry Date, and they're like, I think the band's original act reaction was not positive. They, yeah, they did not like him. So the backstory to that is they're like, man, this guy's a nerd. And they're like, man, I don't know about him. So they put him on a, they, they're touring a little bit. They have him come with him. And right before the show, Paul, he, or, uh, he, he grabs him in the in the room there and uh, says, man, shave my head. He's like, what? He said, time they got shaving his head and getting him ready for to go on stage, they all clicked. And it was like they had a bromance. It was on. And thank goodness. Because they said that, you know, with Dime in the studio, this is where, you know, the big variation of him and Eddie Van Halen. Uh, Dimebag, man, he's got a unique sound, right? But he wasn't big on gear. If you go look at his 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 system, it was EQ, flanger, a compressor, and a few other items. You know, his board was real small. And uh, once he got the the knobs dialed in, that was it. And uh, Terry Date would push him on the sound a little bit. He's like, hey, man, you know, hey, man, that's good. That's good. I got the sound. And the engineers would tweak it. Like, hey, what do you think of that? So they said it's real easy to work with, but it's, you know, I'm so glad they got Terry Date. It just, uh, I think that was the clouds parting in the sky for, for good music. So before we go any farther, if, if the year before when oh, yeah. Dave Mustaine offered Dimebag that, that guitar job in Megadeth and, and Dimebag's condition was he brings, Benny Paul with him, which they'd already hired a drummer. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Real quick, who was their drummer? They hired Nick Mendes. Guy is amazing. You're like all the all the cards that needed to come on the table for that to work. It was kind of like just it happenstance almost. Right. They they were forced into recording this. And, um, and Mark, we we did this the other day, um, and we'll get more into the album, and we're going to talk a little about the history of the album. And, right. Well, we'll um, also, I, I would be remiss if I didn't just absolutely say that recording this show has made me find my love of Fan Pantera because one of the things I did, Mark, and I'm going to suggest this, if you go and read this or watch this later, um, if, uh, yeah, Speakeasy 3.30. Can't wait to see Phil play the entire album at Rockahoma in September. And that'd be a good show. I, I, I would be... I'm jealous. walk right over there and listen to every minute of it. I am so jealous of that fact. And it Phil's is, clean now. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Phil, His voice Phil is coming Selmo, back. Phil Anselmo clean is a powerhouse. Yes. And he's smart. Sometimes I think that man was smart, too smart for his own good. Uh, agreed. Um, but... All that said, too, is that the 
final influence of this band, you had the Kiss piece, you had the Van Halen piece. Phil Anselmo, right before the recording, probably a year ahead of time, pulls Dime back in and makes him listen to one of the classic thrash metal albums of all time. The Big Four. Yeah, he listens to Among Us by Anthrax. And now you've got in play, um, you've got that big ZZ Top sound. Yep. You've got that big, almost ACDC sound. That Van Halen shred acoustic, I mean acoustic, sorry, but um, that that Van Halen um, a rhythm sound, and now you've added the thrash part of Among Us. Right. If That's you, the sound. Yeah, if you look back at it, you know, you, 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 you reflect your experiences or I'm going to say my music values where there's a lofty idea, but you know, what you, you listened to back then, that's another reason I love this band. That you can tell they're fans of music and they're trying to figure out their own, how how can I play what I love and yeah. make it all work? I want Van Halen in there. But if you told me you somehow somebody's going to show up and get Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top and Van Halen and ACDC to sound good, I'm going to fade out on you. I'm like, yeah, go see, you, you need rehab. So, no way I would have thought that would have worked. And man, you dropped a needle on Cowboys from Hell. You're like, man, I hear Texas swing blues there. Okay, there's a little pause. His dad used to engineer, produce, help on albums. That was Texas swing blues. When they were kids, they would be underneath the soundboard, listen to their dad work in the studio, and all these black musicians would come in with their blues music and be playing it. You know the ear caught it. Yep. Blues is the foundation of rock. So... I'm, I'm, it's just like everything had to happen to make this happen, and it worked, and it just perfect timing. So, and that, to say I love this album, I mean, that was another reason I love doing this show. I really sat down again with it instead of just listening it. to it. And man, I'm like, I forgot how good this is. So, so let me give you my first experience of Pantera. So I didn't find them originally right when they broke. I found them a little bit later. And I'm over at the old record bar at Northgate. Yep. And I find the cassette and I go Going through there looking. Yeah. I go through and get in my uh, Carolina hot blue, baby blue tempo with my eight track player and I mean my cassette player. And this is the first sound I hear, Mark. Yep. I man, my brother did it to me, man. I know what you're playing. how unique boom how unique is that sound so man i'm gonna i'm gonna throw the van halen back out there all right so in the first album you hear before running with the devil you hear the bobo car horns being played backwards so what's terry date do Dime bags noodling this riff. That was one of his warm up for his finger stretches. And Terry Date's like, I, to me, it's kind of like the eruption. What are you playing? I'm just, I'm just messing around. They put that where you just played on four track. Dime bag would play it backwards and forwards to warm his fingers up. Well, they put it on a four track and played it backwards, and then you got that sound. So you're, you're, you're like, you're. First time I heard it, my brother played it for me. Like, what is this? Shout out, Patrick. Yeah, he. I mean, he. I was not into hard rock by then. I was into grunge, and I was like, man, I told him, I said, hard rock's dead, man. I'm out. And then he shows up with this. 
And I, so, boom! That's another point. I went another way with it. We were both, I mean, we spent most of the 80s going to concerts together. Yep. Then, then you get married, move away, and I move away to the foreign country. I went to Alabama. Um, but I went a different way with it. I did go with thrash. And right. Th this was not this. I was, was doing thrash a lot. This was not in the thrash. The the thrash bands wasn't throwing. Have you heard the new Pantera? Pantera album? No, it was it was kind of the eclectic mix of hey man, I like hard rock. Man, hard rock right now is terrible. Yeah. And uh, man, so I had a gap with Pantera. Married life, kids, kind of got away from music to get the toddlers up and running. So I you'll love this. I went from Cowboys to Hell. Hadn't heard some Pantera in a little bit. Oh, there's a new Pantera out. I think I'll buy it. I went from Cowboys to Hell to Southern Trend Kill. So my head got to explode twice. I was like, I dropped Southern Trend Kill. I was like, God, what is this? And we're like, how can this a band get harder? They got harder. They did. They Welcome did. to Pantera, man. So I'm going to give us about 15 more seconds of this <laughs> intro. Man, I can start listening to it now. And that's, I mean, that is so, and yeah. I, I, I've said it already, but with Angus and Malcolm Young, they, when they went into the studio, they always said, we want big guitars and it makes for right. not the, the biggest ACDC. I got, I'm going to nerd out on you in a minute. Okay. Yeah. I'm not the biggest ACDC fan, but you can't put ACDC on and not identify it within three seconds. Oh, Same thing with Pantera. You've got to identify it. Dom had his own sound, but man, I think I think where things get lost in the shuffle with this band, I'm gonna take Dom. I'm gonna take the lead singer out real quick. The band is that good. You've got Vinny Paul. I call it the caveman sound. I, I, I picture this caveman with two drums took a took a took a took it by the campfire, right? He's solid, man, and it's solid footwork too with him. It's just not his hands. He's got a great ear from his dad teaching him, playing music around him. And then I'm going to call him Rocker Rex. Remember the first albums? He didn't even call himself Rex Rocker. Rocker. I'm like, that's bad. So, but so that big sound you're talking about, they figured it out. And I think this is why the, the power metal before them had to work. Power metal is based on power chords. Well, power chords give you a bigger, fatter sound, right? So if you listen to Rex, and I'm a bass player, and I love Rex Brown's plan because he's in the groove. Okay, we're at groove metal. So you he, you got a guy playing the groove, but his groove, he's not cheating. He's playing power chords, and they're solid and fat and thick. And then you got Vinny coming right behind him. Now you got this guy that sounds like a weasel all over the fretboard because he's so he's all over the place, right? You got that rhythm coming at you, and now you got dime, and then you've got the lyrics. And if you, the other thing about the lyrics, another reason I'm a fan of this album, he's a, he could write poetry. If you go down and read the lyrics to like Domination, you think Domination's about fighting? Yeah. It's not. It's about awesome. hate inside yourself. Where he came up with these lyrics, that's why I said he's too smart for his own good. I think he marinated too much and started overthinking and the drug showed up. Yeah. Well, I mean, so everything you, clicks on this. You even listen to the lyrics of Cowboys from Hell. It is. It is more about almost like we talked about with rat with that line, uh, your rat gang. 
they're kind of establishing. Oh yeah, we're we're a, we're a Texas band. We're we're like nobody else, and the line is we're taking over this place. So I want to get to a little bit. Yeah, real quick where, on that. So I think the guys have got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, right? Oh, yeah, you can sure, East Coast yeah. and West Coast, and remember they've been playing that pop metal. Poison got noticed. Rat got noticed. Even Motley Crue got noticed, and they're kind of sitting there going. You know they're saying I could play better than that guy. Where's sure. our company? It never came around. So they got a chip on their shoulder, and you know Texas Arlington. I haven't heard many other bands come out of Texas to play like this. So you got to have a chip on your shoulder again. So I love the lyrics, man. It's cocky, it's bravado, and they're coming out of the gate, and it's the first song I ever heard from them. It I got my attention. Play you just a little bit. The Brit, uh, this favorite part of my the song to me. That line is so powerful. And I love how Dimebag comes in the back for the background. We're talking, you know, it's, yeah. dude, they're clicking. And when they, when he showed up and got rid of, they got rid of the, the original lead singer. He said it's the tightest band he ever heard. He said they were already hitting on all cylinders. They just needed more gas. And that's where the, the different lead singer shows up. Bill Anselmo said once he heard them play, it was like, wow. You know, you can tell they're caught. I mean, it's a shame that the, it went off the rails. I would have loved to see what else could have come out of that. I created my lines as a tribute to my dad, John. Well, and it would be better if I could remember to pause. Pause. <laughs> Who's Josh? I don't remember him. Pause the, the wine commercial. So, well, you know, Josh has got a drinking problem. Yeah, Josh the seller uh, just got a free plug. <laughs> Peace out, Josh. Hey, um, so let's get back. Anything else that you want to say? Uh, before we get, let's look one more thing. The cover of the album, Cowboys from Hell. Okay, real we quick. I showed my daughter the cover of this today. So it, I, the reason I love it, if you really see the album cover, not the itty bitty thumbnail that you see, you know, when MP3 is playing, it's so cheesy. It's just background of this old bar and it's the worst Photoshop ever. You know, there's Vinnie Paul and there's Phil fighting. Guitar. Dude, I love it. There's nothing about that cover that I don't love about it. I mean, it's just not caring. We're here to play the music. So I love it. That song is just a blaster out. This next song is probably my low point of the album. So, I'll, hey, I, I want to rate it. Let's rate it. Okay. Cowboys go. from Hell. You go first. Uh, I'm going to give it a nine. Nah. Ten, baby. And it's not a typical Pantera song, but, man, the lyrics, it has to be a bunch of wrestlers coming out and ready to throw the chair on the manager. Absolutely. We're coming out of the gate, and they're going to they back it up. Let me rewrite that 9.5 because <laughs> I, there's a song I like better on this. Yeah. But uh, how about part Primal Concrete? You got, I mean, got anything for it? It's it's kind of a punky song. Uh, that's okay. I, I rated it a 4.5. I'm not crazy about it. 
I think it's one of those, man, this is funny. This is great. Isn't it good? Isn't it great? Man, let's record it. Let's put it on the album. And then you play it and they're like, oh, man. <laughs> but in the album construction between that and Psycho Holiday, it actually works. It's like a pseudo entrance. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. So I, I'm going to just pull the Band-Aid off of it. I'm not, it's, you know, you, you've heard me say it before. Well, I fast forward it. This one, get, if we had a little icon pop pop up, it'd be the fast forward button. I fast forward it. It's a pull. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't want to hear it. Sorry. I'm not the biggest fan of it either. Uh, no. It is. But then you turn around and you get one of my favorite songs. Is that not one of the best Benny Paul, Rex Brown moments on the album? So it reminds me of the time that you and I were lucky enough to go see. We went and see, saw Seven Dust, and we had these two big old bros in front of us, and we thought we were going to get curb stomped by them because they yeah. were something bigger. We're like, hey, man, we're just here to hear music. Guy turns around, double fist, and, hey, man, we're just here to romp and stomp. I went, all right, you know, we're going to get along. That song makes me want to romp and stomp. <laughs> It just, I want to go around, you know. I just not big enough to back it up. But man, I love that song. It turned out that the, the bass player for shout out to Fault Line, yep, a local Chattanooga heavy metal band that's really great. Uh, but Psycho Holiday just puts it in line for me. That to me, it's one of the better Vinnie Paul, Rex Brown, just in a groove, man. They're not all over yeah. the place, it's just a groove. So I think this is where, if you're the first time, I'm going to say if you're the first time listener to Pantera and Cowboys from Hell, but this was your introduction, at least for me, man. I was like, that's got to, because I play bass, right? I'm all about rhythm. You can be the fastest guy on the guitar. I don't, I ain't hearing it. I hear that rhythm. This is groove metal, man. And Rex is holding the line and Vinny is just back there with him. And, uh, Two, man, another reason I like it, I grew up with ZZ Top. If you play it, you hear yeah. a little bit of ZZ Top in there, just that juka, 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 except it's sped up to his, you know, Dimebag yeah. played the triplets. Instead of one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, it's one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. The, the four is still there, and that groove's got that triplet going, man. It does. And then, so, and then, it, then, then the bridge into the chorus almost takes a right-handed turn. A little bit of the chorus here I want to play. I love the vocals right there. You get just a almost a depressed sounding feel. Right. It's like this whole song, if you listen to the lyrics, that, that little almost whiny just fits perfect right there. See, and I think this is where I'm a little different from my take of it. You're you're talking about the you know the, the vocals in it. I wish that he had tightened it up a little bit. I'm not bad mouthing it, but I hear I hear that early Phil Samo compression that I, I, I fell in love with that actually got lost on later albums. So I kind of like, man, I wish I could have heard a little bit more of that. But that said, it's one of my favorite songs, man. Do but I do give it a seven. If I'm going to rate it, I give it a seven because of the, it's not fair. It, really, this song's not fair because of all the other great ones that are on it. I, I would give it a seven too. Uh, but man, just simply thump. because it's sitting, you're about to hear Heresy and Cemetery Gate. 
<laughs> it's, like, it's like the guy living in the trailer in the mansion neighborhood, you know. Yeah. He's like, hey, Adam, I don't think I'm fitting in here. Uh, yeah, know. you're in a bad spot. Yeah, dude. I'm gonna, I mean, you're just. <laughs> um, do you think? Do you think this album would have been as powerful without the feeling of? the four failures, five failures beforehand. And it yeah, did. that's what I keep harping on. Or I think in my head, you know, you know, a life lesson, right? Another reason I like music, you know, you, you learn and you get better and you fail and you can't play that. And sometimes you just, ne you're never going to play it. Welcome to life. Um, I think those first albums that they had was to get it together for this one. And this song proves it here. This is not early Motley Crue poison they're trying to aspire to this is man i hear billy gibbons in here it's like billy gibbons figured out he wanted to thrash a little bit and i love it i love that texas hard rock sound anyway it's, it's there different. is a there is so many influences in this music sometimes you can get lost in it um yep. that, that's why I, I listen to it mark i hear one thing you come back you hear something else i hear something else and I tell you, as I get older and I start enjoying it more, I really appreciate Rex Brown more. Yeah, and I, I'll be honest, man. So, in my early playing days, I'm not going to say I dissed him, but I was Billy, big into Billy Sheenan and those guys that were all technique, and I was trying to learn all the technique on the fret. And now, going back, now, now my hands aren't as like they were. I'm getting more into the rhythm of stuff, and my ears hearing it better for some reason. I didn't appreciate him. And now he let him listen back. I really appreciate him. And now there's technology too that I can hear. I can isolate the bass tracks. I went back and isolated some bass tracks. I was like, man, I'm sorry, dude. Sorry about it, you. <laughs> it's like you were there the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, sometimes we grow up too. It's right. We but then, dude, man, let's be honest. It was such a good band that everybody, if you really were into this kind of instrument, the other guy got overshadowed. Right. I mean, you got if you're a drummer, you're listening to Pantera. If you're a lead guitarist, you're listening to a bass player, you're listening to them. There's not many bands that you can say that. It's like, you know, bless their hearts at Van Halen. I'm there to hear Eddie Van Halen. Sorry. You know, and, uh, uh, not with this band. I, mean, I want to hear it all. So. I love and it. then you're talking about great drummer moments. How about this opening to the next track here? Oh my gosh. Brent, pause it right there, man. Pause, I don't, I wanted, uh, so if you just heard that for me, and you're wondering, man, what a, what a, what a, what if if they went to Megadeth? I wonder what it would have sounded like. Play that again, and now put Dave Mustaine about to come out and sing real nasally. Here, I'm gonna this play is Megadeth, game. dude. This is a top big four. This is the big four sound right here. It's there. 
Oh, we're going to get banned all over YouTube for <laughs> copyright. But I, I know, care. but man, you listen to that. To me, so there's so much going on in this song. And if you start playing the rest of it, we well, just did that little quip there. So the first time I heard this, I was like, I, heard, I thought, because I was into Megadeth, still am. And I was like, man, that fits. Wait a minute. They're not thrash. I, I didn't think Pantera was at this time. And I'm thinking, huh. And that kind of got my ball rolling to start listening to more thrash. I wasn't big. I'll be honest, man. I wasn't a big Metallica fan for a long time. And then I've kind of faded away from them again. But that era when everybody's really into, into them, I wasn't. And uh, this brought me into the fold, this song actually here. Because the rhythm is extremely tight. And, and I, I find that odd that I almost went from Metallica and Megadeth to Pantera. I right. went the other way. But it works. I mean, it this does. Part of the band is so good. And, you know, I'm I'm a Metallica fan probably more than you are. Right. But it really fades on me about mid-career. And that's when I kind of went to Pantera more heavily because I felt even some of the thrash bands kind of went in a direction I didn't completely understand. Well, I'm going to blame Bob. I'm going to go. We're talking here. We're here to talk about Pantera, but I'm going to go on a Bob Rock rant. Bob Rock brought girls, girls, girls over to, to yeah, and, and nothing else anger. matters. So, yeah, no, yeah, nothing else matters. That's right. I'm turning it off. <laughs> Boom! You're about to get some hate mail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm with you on Bob Rock. He ruined a lot of great bands. I like. I'm going to give you just a little more clip. This is about midway of the song. And it's one of my favorite areas. Probably shouldn't have played that, but you know. Sorry, uh, kids. It's a night show. Kids. But <laughs> I mean, that's that's Pantera is not clean, pretty rock. It's it's in your face. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that you don't. You know, so, man, I, I always thought this a little funny, man. So I, I try to dissect stuff too much. Maybe I think too much. So you've got grunge that's angst music, right? It's angry, but it's depression. And all depression is anger without enthusiasm. Well, you got you got Pantera here, too. They're depressed. They're angry, but they're angry. And, uh, you know, that's what rock's about is getting those emotions out. And this album is just, man, after you listen to this CD, you want to go break something. I mean, it's just, I love it. I'm in my 50s and still listening to it. So, it, I can go on and on. So, um, if you got to rate this song, I'm going eight and a half. I love it. Uh, so, I'm going with nine. I hear my Megadeth. I'm hearing the groove metal really getting fine-tuned. I hear a rhythm section that's taking no prisoners. And we're here in early where Pantera is going too, so it was a a thing of things to come that you didn't know that was going to come later on the other CDs. And so then I give it a nine. Oh man, where do we go from there? We go from that to this, and it fits so well, and it's so beautiful. Let me go ahead and rate Cemetery Gates for you. Yeah, let's get it over with. Let me get both of them in there. <laughs> yeah. What about this? Five and five. Hey, let me do that. Five and five. It may be my favorite.
favorite Pantera song, Mark, and I'll tell yeah. you why. I, I, you never hear, I'd like to know what Terry Day get, did to get those vocals out of Phil Anselmo. And I don't know if you've ever hear them again in Pantera fully. So I, I used to be into that metal show with Eddie Trunk and all those guys. And he interviewed him about that. And Phil was very coy about it. I don't, in the back of my mind, you know, I'm, I used to be the big Kiss fan, right? And, you know, the, the, the guest musicians would show up in the studio. I'm not saying that. But I, I think they did a bunch of takes and one of them hit and they kept it. I'm not saying a guest vocalist came in. I'm saying it was a once in a lifetime, hit the note, got it. They saved it because uh, it's never been replicated. Uh, and you can't, I've seen them twice live and it's great live. But you but cannot replicate that sound. No. So, the, yeah, and the other thing I like about what's going on here, so you got to remember Terry Date is such a, a great producer. If you hear his voice go up and down and he's kind of mellowing out here and there, that's jazz. I hate jazz. I'm not a fan of jazz, but I, can, I, I recognize it for what it is. That's, smooth, you know, the smooth jazz. But he's doing that, right? They're kind of right. lulling you in with that voice, right? Meanwhile, the rhythm section is about to come. And that's another reason I love this song. It's, and I kind of wish Pantera stayed here a little longer. And this has got a little bit of a down sound to it. It's got that smooth. If you think about it, that's a New Orleans influence coming in now. Yeah. Got the Texas swing stuff. But remember, he's not from Texas. He's from New Orleans. And if you were well, ever listen to the music scene there, it's very eclectic. I know the video sometimes is a bad representative of the song. Yeah. But if you watch this video, it's about the most New Orleans looking funeral I've ever seen. It is influenced. So, so, you know, one other thing about the song. Trying to avoid, I'm trying to get around the other bad word in this song. Right. But the other other thing that's got to be mentioned on this, I'm not a fan of Guitar World Magazine, but every once in a while they get it right. They rated this song for the solo number 35. They rated it what? What? It's rated number 35, the, the best guitar solo work in Guitar or Guitar World magazine. I, I agree with you. It is a it is an amazing, amazing solo. It is, it's there. And uh, that you wouldn't have got that without that early pop metal stuff, because there's a little bit going on where he's bringing it out of the woodwork to put it in there, especially on the technique. All right, I think I got around it. Let me let me go ahead awesome. and play a little bit class. That, that, I, outside of Bruce Dickinson, I don't know if I've ever heard that before. I know, and that's what I was going to I got in my notes. I said, boy, I've heard Bruce Dickerson. So, you know, need more cowbell. But, <laughs> no, it's there. That influence is there, too. And they were huge Iron Maiden fans. That's something else I, did, I meant to touch on. You know, they loved they loved Van Halen. They loved ZZ Top. And they also loved Iron Maiden. And it's showing here. And also a huge, they were a huge Judas Priest fan. Yeah, huge influence in this music with Priest, and it's it's showing. I hear a lot of Rob Halford going on there. So, and I hate I hate to do this. I hate to leave this song. I could I could do a whole show about this song, but you know they say music's a soundtrack to your life. Yeah, oh yeah, and there's something you're always going to remember. There's some some songs that you always it just takes you to a time and place. <laughs> My soul 
can go to one of the darkest points of my life. And this song was with me and it was really bad time, man. And I'm telling you, that's this song will always be special to me because it got me through. You got you through it. You know, it got me through. I bet you I listened. It was funny. It was this album and Johnny Cash's American recordings and no two albums can be darker and opposite than these two albums are. But, but, you know, that said that, you know, we're always, first of all, while we talking about this album, it's good. And, you know, music, good music is a soundtrack to your life. If you don't think it is, go watch Forrest Gump. That movie sucks. It's terrible. The soundtrack (laughs) to it helps the movie along. And it's the music that's carrying that movie. It's it is music is a soundtrack to your life. And this, this album, I'm right there with you. Uh, And I mean, it was, it was, yeah, man. It was one of those things. All right. So we, we here, here's the point of the album that I almost get silly about because I just could like, forget the hits domination and shattered are just to me they're almost a group together here that they're both just awesome songs i think i like domination better but domination just really sets the mood well i'm gonna nerd out on you and i'm sorry so here's where i'm at i i say there's two dominations right you got the studio go do yourself a favor go to youtube and watch the domination video live it is a completely different energetic type song, but they're both great versions. I really didn't appreciate this song earlier. I thought it was just a good, you know, getting the mosh pit type sound. Tell it to, you know, I actually really fell more in love with it with researching for this show. The lyrics, the domination, it's poetry. And he's talking to, and the thing is, he's writing how don't let hate consume you and take you over. Guess what happened? Kind of, I think that's one of the reasons the band fell apart. And uh, yeah. so they were, he was feeling it before it ever really started bubbling up. And I don't, be honest, I don't see how somebody can do that. That's the artist and somebody that I'm not, that they can take all that turmoil inside and bring it to lyrics and then bring it to music. I know Domination sounds like a thrush song, but if you really break it down, man, it's got so much going on in it. And so uh, here, is a little taste of and domination. The bass work in it. Go listen to an isolation platform. And you can feel the energy even on YouTube. Yeah. It's- Man, I, I, I mean, I could keep nerding out on you, but the other thing that really caught my attention on that song, it's heavy and it's fast. But if you stop and listen to it again, Dime's slowing it down. When he feels coming in there with those lyrics, he's just sliding power chords on you. He's slowing it down so you'll catch up to get going again. And that's a ticket. That's one of the tricks of grunge, right? Right. Nice, easy, slow down in your face. Same going on here. I think it's... You know, we're writing songs, too. I give this, for me, I give it a 10 plus. There's so much musicianship going on here that if you really got to listen to it like 10 times and just listen for something, a little nuance in it, and then you hear it, you're like, I didn't know that was there. It's going to get a 9.9999 for nothing can pass. Um, But let's let's go back a little bit. Let's talk about Shattered. We kind of jumped. Yep. 
Um, but I do want to play just a bit of domination from the album, and you can hear the difference to me in the energy. Oh. Now, that's great, but live, it just took a whole new life. Yes, but then, you know, that's the other thing. I think, you know, we've got to talk about the history of the band, right? They had a number one album. Right. Later later than this album, but they had a number one album. Guess who didn't ever play it? MTV. Guess who never played it? Radio. So back then, if you weren't on MTV and radio, it wasn't happening. It didn't matter with these guys. It was like, did you hear it? Well, I didn't know they had a new one out. You give it to your buddy to borrow. And it just it just kept growing and growing and growing. I mean, from this album almost to the very end, they had nothing but momentum. Every album, more momentum. Bigger, bigger, bigger. So let's play that opening to Shaders real, real quick. I, I really, it's almost a trip back. Here's the How how important are those unique openings to the Pantera sound? Well, so what you just played there, so, I, you know, I'm hearing two things. First of all, hey, man, it's the Abbott Brothers show right now. I'm all for it. The drums are just, he's double basing them. And then you hear Dime in the background just showing off these riffs. Well, in between the riff, the drum, there's Rex coming in, right? He's just He's just keeping it solid. Man, there's nothing I can't say good about this song. I, I love every bit of it. But the drum work in the beginning, it's out of the face. The drums are punching you. I mean, you're like turning around, somebody saying, load, you got hit. It's a, uh, and I hear a little bit of Judas Priest going on when you get to the vocals. Mm -hmm. I, I hear a little Iron Maiden in there. I love the song. But they made it there. I, I keep saying I hear this and I hear that. That's fine. That's what your ears hear. But to be honest, Welcome to Pantera. This is Pantera. Right. So I always great. tell people if they're going to listen to Pantera, it's like drinking a wine. You know, different people are going to get different yep. feel off of it. For me, when I listen to Pantera, I get a totally um, different feel than someone else. Um, Shattered may be my second or it's a battle between Cowboy and Shattered for my second favorite song. Uh, I would probably go Cowboy over Shattered, but oh, definitely. that shows you how much I like Shattered, though. Yeah, and I love Shattered too. But you, so you reference back the Cowboys from Hell, that the, the you know the out of the gate song, man, that set the tone. And whoever put that first on the album and named the album that, well played, sir. And uh, I give I give Shattered an eight. I could probably give it a little higher. I hate to say it, I, I'm going to sound like a bad man, bad mouthing Phil again. <laughs> You know, I've, maybe they were working him so hard in the studio to hit those high notes. This kind of gave out a little bit. I give I it. Think, this almost feels like a bridge song, though, too. Yeah, you know, you're like first time, couple times I heard, I'm like, hey, this is just a filler song, man. They they got the other good songs, and then I go back and listen to it, and I'm hearing, I'm hearing that 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 riff work. And there's a video out there when Dimebag got sponsored by Randall. He's just putting on a clinic. And I swear there may be 20 people in the room. It's sinful. There's nobody more people there. And he goes through a medley of his riffs and he plays shattered and you get to hear it without everything going on effect wise. And dude, it is guitar work. He's tearing that fret up. 
and, and that is not sponsored by Frog Level Randall. It's, it's <laughs> Randall Amps. Thank you very much. <laughs> Class with Reality, another good song. Um, we'll spend a second there. Class with Reality is not a fast forward song for me. It's like, okay, it's a good song and it's listenable. And the next song is going to be a, a fast forward. It's song. But Clash Reality is one of those songs. I, I, I listen to it every uh, time. Yeah, so uh, to me, I give it a seven. I yeah, don't I give it a seven. seven. I'm not fast forwarding it. And we're back. So we went from Shattered and Domination Thrash, right? Yeah. Now we're back to Groove Metal again. Right. And I hear Priest meets Anthrax. I keep trying to put it in a pigeonhole. But and even with this album's 30 years old, I'm still trying to pigeonhole it. That tells me it's very good. And, it, and it, to me... If I'm still trying to figure out how it fits, it's going to age even better over time because it's always going to sound fresh depending on the mood when you drop it to hear it. I give it a seven. It feels like a filler song, but I still won't fast forward it. No, I won't fast forward it. I, I, it's, a, it's it's one of my favorite. I mean, not favorite, but I've got albums that I that the hits I don't like as well as Clash's Reality. Right. But, uh, the next song, Medicine Man, I have no clue what they were thinking. Uh, I got a theory. I, and, and my friend loves that song. Loves it. It's a spoken word kind right. of. I, I just don't get it. But that's to me. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, man, I'm, I'm usually not the positive guy in the room. You know, my glass is yeah. empty. It ain't half full. Uh, to me, it feels experimental. I think so. It's got a, it's like they're trying to remember. So I played this a couple of times researching this. So you got Terry date going on, right? So I hear a little bit of Queens right in there. It does. And I hear a little bit of priest, you know, that might be a producer going, that's all you got, man. You know, they're like, oh, I'll show you. I'm, I'm a little bit more well-rounded. Well I'll write this. It just didn't work. And, and for me, it don't work. My friend, like I said, uh, Loves it. Favorite maybe may his favorite song off the album. I don't get it. If you love it, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, a, that's great. That's what music's about. You you know. I gave it a four. Like and I like. Maybe not. I don't. I gave it a four. Just yeah. because I won't go before below a four. Yeah, me too. I gave it a four, and I'm like, I can't go below that. Yeah, I'm not rating anything so bad that I can not give the album overall nine. Right. Now, there's some other bands I'll give you a one. Or solo acts named Vince Neil. What? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it. There you go. Again. <laughs> Monster. Just monster Killing it. Okay. There's, there's a couple of songs, a couple of things. I'm, man, I'm gonna get you're gonna get blasted on what I'm about to say. Play, play it one more time, and I you'll you'll watch my face. I saw just, it. Yeah, I can't stand the vocals, man. I love the opening. Man, that's just.
Break it, stop. All right, I got a theory here. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to get, I'm probably going to get. <laughs> I'm going to have a head, force head up there. Man, so real quick, that riff going on there, I'm the weird guy, right? Instead of everybody listening to easy listening music on a Sunday, I'm over here hearing that. I'm like, yay, life is great. But that, I don't, I have a hard time with the vocals, man. I just not do. one of my favorite. I love the opening. I always listen to the open and then kind of like. So, but you're gonna you're gonna freak out on my rating here. You ready? Ready. I give it an eight. <laughs> okay. I give it an eight, man, because of the riff, man. Yeah. You know, there's some stuff out on YouTube if you want to dive deep and don't mind downloading something. Maybe you shouldn't. You can get an isolated track without the vocals. Now, you want a driving stone? Put that in, and you're like, man, I'm going to get there tonight. I, I love the song, man. I give it an eight. I just That's mentally tune out. All right. One of my favorite songs, again, I keep saying it. The Sleep is kind of an experimental song that I think works. Um, it's kind of a different song. It all, it's almost – here, let me just play you a little bit of it. It's almost – Yeah, man. Rex Brown again on the guitar part there. Yes, plays acoustic. Let me move us up a little bit to get to the riff. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it too, man. I'm hearing so much going on there. So that, that beginning that you're playing, if you told me that was the blizzard of Oz and I never heard of Pantera and that's all you ever played to me, I'd be go, Hey man, I didn't know Randy Rhodes played that. Yeah. I, and I, I keep waiting for, you know, a nasally Ozzy Osbourne to come in. It sounds, man, it, I, I mean, I keep trying to pigeonhole these guys. But dude, it's is such it's Blizzard of Oz era. And man, that's another something else I miss. Ozzy never got that back. And here's Dimebag showing up and going, Hey, got it. Is, is Dimebag closer to Randy Rhodes than Eddie Van Halen? I would say yeah. Just because Eddie Van Halen was such an innovator, where another thing that gets I know we're here talking about Pantera, and you know I'm a huge Van Halen fan, and you know, I've begged you and begged you and begged you to let's please review a fair warning. And I think I may be getting away. Hint, hint, wink. Uh, yeah, I think we got an announcement <laughs> coming up. But Eddie Van Halen was an innovator with guitars, too. Between him moving the pickups, coming up with the brown sound, tweaking uh, the amps, tweaking the pickups, uh, putting gear that was not even supposed If you If you got electronics background, you would tell Eddie Van Halen to put soldering iron down. So Eddie's got that going on, but you've got Randy Rhodes. It's a dude. Randy Rhodes is a classical guitar teacher and it shows. Yeah. And I think Dimes ear, I think that's something else that God blessed him with. He had the ear and he could, he could emulate enough of somebody else's sound and put it to his own. I mean, if you play, if you play a lot of his stuff, you'll hear 
you'll hear some Dave Mustaine in there because you know there was early Metallica. Then you'll hear you'll you'll hear Billy Gibbons. You'll hear Randy Rhodes. You'll hear Van Halen. You'll hear Ace Frehley. Dude, to me, that's a phenomenal talent. Every musician leans on something they heard from the past. They usually butcher it after that. So Not dying back. What if I tell you in stuff I hear like uh, ain't talking about love yep. and then you hear like um, some stuff uh, like Suicide Solution and then you hear a dime and it's all that sharp like almost that third note is like they're playing a hi-hat. It's like Da, 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 da. You know, it's almost that, okay. So you nailed it, man. That's where Randy Rose really leaned on that classical. And if you go play that song and you hit the fretboard, if you're not figuring out, go go to the classical scales and and, and ear that you use, man. So I'm gonna pull the bandaid off real quick. This is a nine for me. I'm not a huge yeah. fan of the lyrics per se. I'm picking on them again, but then again, I'm so focused on the the band that. Something's got to finally give, right? There is a, there is a um, structure too to that haunting tritone guitar, acoustic guitar, in front of it, just like with Cemetery Gates that breaks right. that hard riff, and there is something that fits about that sound. Yeah, and I should, you know, and I thought about this. I got it in my notes, you know. So I, I hear that Aussie influence, and I'm thinking to myself, well. Should I be tipping my hat to the to the, you know the Godfathers of it all, Black Sabbath? I'll be honest, I don't hear that in this. I hear Blizzard of Oz, and I don't call. And I'm, I'm a nerd again, man. That those first two Ozzy albums, I'm sorry, I don't call it Ozzy. I call it Blizzard of Oz. If you go study Ozzy, you'll know why. But uh, it's dude, it's going on, man. And that, I mean, I said I'd give it a nine. I love everything about it. Let me tell you, though, where you do get, I was lucky enough to see Pantera in front of the reunited mm -hmm. Black Sabbath at an OzFest. Um, and that was monster. But in the presentation of, um, they're nothing alike. I oh, mean, no, no. It, the That's another great thing I think they did great. completely different. And it's, it's, the energy is completely different. So when yep. you go to the Blizzard of Oz and and the the band that Ozzy put together after being kicked out of Black Sabbath, it is much more pertinent to what happens with Pantera. Oh, than, um, big time! Yeah, yeah. And, and I've even tried to link some bands. I, it's really hard to link things pre that heavy metal Kiss phenomenon with this. I, I mean. Everybody says that everybody gets something from Led Zeppelin, but I don't hear they, it. I never, you yeah, know, that's another thing. So, yeah, so let's go to that real quick. You, you talk about the history of the band again, right? So you think about the genre of this time. It seems like, you know, Led Zeppelin had broken up. Bonham had died. You're like, everybody's pining. And there's that gap of the market. If you sound like Led Zeppelin, you're going to sell some. Greta, Greta Van Fleet, whoever that. Greta Van Fleet. Hate them. Hate them. Hate them, and they're ripping them off. And I, I could do a whole segment if you want to do on that. Hey, Robert Plant went. It's nice to hear a tribute band. Very much bad tribute band. But. So, but they're not doing that, man. And they, they had every chance to do that, and they went that we're going our own direction. 
something we're comfortable in. And their influences are coming out on this whole album with that. But before and, we get to the last song, how important was it that they just went to like shorts and a t-shirt and a pair of combat boots? You know, so man, I, so to me it worked and it worked great. And it kind of got my attention too, because man, the poofy hair spandex, man, if I saw it or heard it off, I'm out by peace out. But Hard Rock's dead, right? Right. I remember there was a video. Yeah. At at this point, uh, Nirvana never minds out. Flannel. Flannel's in. MTV's playing nothing but West Coast bands and bad music. And boom. Yeah, so I see Pantera. And back in the 90s, people, you know, you get dated by what you wore back then. They're kind of wearing what everybody's normal is wearing. Yeah, and you're like another band that used to get my attention like that was that if you remember the band Helmet, they yeah. came out and played music, man, and then we're gonna go go to the mall. Uh, that Pantera got me the same way. I'm like, man, it's not it's not the the visual, man. It's the music, and that would usually get me enough pause of, hey, wait a minute. So you know, between my brother dropping Pantera on me two o'clock in the morning, and I didn't sleep that night. Till you know, I hate to say it, videos were a big deal back then. And if they, if I'd heard Cowboys from Hell, like, man, I'm into it. And then I saw them wearing poofy hair and spandex. I'm out. Well, I'm out. That night, and I think it was in 98, I went to see the reunion. Because, you know, I've always loved Sabbath, and I'm a huge Sabbath. And I thought, well, this is my one time. And I left there like, wow, I can't wait to see Pantera again. So, all right. And you said on that tour that t- Tony Iommi and those guys, you know, usually the bigger act feels threatened, you know, with an act that's going there and blowing yeah. the roof off. They said they fell in love with them. Musically and, and they and were. It's like, man, these guys are the real deal. And, and they were still probably three down from headliner at that point. Right. So and they, they've got, you know, when you get Tony, the guy that's seen it all, yep. you got his attention. It's pretty, it's pretty phenomenal. So, Real quickly, and we'll sum up everything. Everybody stayed with us. We got about 10 more minutes. The first song recorded to the album, I really think was appropriate. The Art of Shredding. Last song on the album may make the biggest statement of what Pantera is. It is a shred groove metal band. Yep. Um, Man, eh, this is where we probably differ a little bit. I gave it a six to seven. I thought the shiny moment was the drum work. Absolutely. I felt like the the song was a a little bit of a leftover from the first genre they were playing. And it kind of got, hey, we got this. And it's a good song, man. And let's put it on there. It's lost a little bit. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, he's still. So I was like, man, I'm trying to fill this thing out, right? You know, everything's a, a, a shot moment of time, right? Of when things happen. If you think about it, I wrap my head around it a lot easier. He's not Dimebag. He's Diamond Dave right now. I think it's the bass and drum that I love on that song. I, I love that. If you ask me, what do you love about it? 
it's the bass and the drum and I'm a rhythm guy, man. I'm I, first time I heard, I still love his song, the guitar work and the, and the vocals, all that. I feel like they're still carrying a little of that glam over. Yeah. And I, like it, bad. I like it better than you. I gave it an eight. I give it a six, seven. Um, but oh, man, no. I love the rhythm section in this, man. I could, I, back to the, will I fast forward it? Absolutely will not. So if I had to tell you overall, where do you rate this in your favorite albums of all time? Where do you put this album? So I got, so this is kind of funny. You don't know what, you know, what, you know, I always want to do the show. What's in your, what's on your, what's in your car stereo? Yeah. You know, and kind of go through that. You know, you hear something, Britney Spears, like, wait a minute. I thought I knew this guy. I've got a thumbnail or a thumb drive that is color coded. It's red. I keep it in my console. It's the songs that I will never delete off a thumb drive for road trips. Pantera's on it. It's a nine. If I had read it, the, the whole album, I'm not getting rid of it. It's my go-to. Uh, I find it, you know, like I, I talked about it earlier, I went from Cowboys from Hell to Southern Trend Kill. The stuff that's later in Pantera I mean, I'm a hardcore music guy, and I had a harder, I still have a l little hard time with it, with the, the later stuff. This, the way it's mixed, the way it's produced, the way it's written, the way it's sung, all of it, it's still fresh. It, it 30 years ago, it doesn't sound like it came out 30 years ago, dude. If you told me it came out last week, I'd be like, man, you heard the new. I'd be all about it. I give it a nine. And there's not many I'll give nine or above on that. It, um, it is in the top 10 of all time favorite albums. Yeah, my, it's it my top my, 10, definitely for sure. It is my favorite Pantera album because I do, I do love Southern Trend Kill, but it's, they did get, it's dark. There, there was definitely some darker sides to Pantera that got uh, explored. Right. And, and, and my hat's and off to him for doing that. You know, yeah, yeah. And, who goes harder every album? They said that they actually said, Terry Date, the producer, it drove him nuts because he's like, okay, I've got him figured out finally. I know what the board's going to look like. I know I kind of visualize what that song structure is going to sound like. We're going to knock this out of the park. And then they'd show up in the studio. We're going to get harder. And he's like, nah, no, it can't happen. And then they would do it. So uh, to me, it's an amazing band. And you, like you talked about earlier, the only thing that pulls at the heart of this whole CD album is the way it all went down at the end on stage and all that. I'll be honest. I'm not, my, I'm a weird guy when it comes to, Hey, let's get the band back together. You know, like rage against the machine, you know, their tickets are 200 something dollars to go see them. This band was destined to get back together. And I think, yeah, and it would have been phenomenal. If you don't believe it, go listen to damage plan. Yeah. They, I mean, that needed, I mean, if you listen to it, it needed feel in it. Great album, but it just wasn't there. It wasn't Pantera. And uh, I'll, back to this album, man. I mean, I'm, I'm going to listen to it tomorrow while I work. Well, let me sum it up this way, saying, you know, I've been lucky to, to see a lot of bands in my right. life. And, uh, I sat in a parking lot and slept in the back of a car in a trunk 
curled up. Nobody comes by and shuts it. Yeah. <laughs> raining in the middle of the ghetto. Uh, Chastain Park in Atlanta. You know where it's at. Not the best part of Atlanta. Ate hot dogs um, <laughs> for dinner for two nights. And went and and it was worth every bit of it. I remember thinking, after I saw Pantera, Mark, I, I felt like I saw something significant. Um, I felt the same way, and and I'm sure we'll we'll cover some of these albums later. But I almost felt that way when I I, I listened to Operation Mindcrime or saw it. it that's a you know I'm not I'll say it right now I'm not a Queens Rock fan, but that album. It's a, it's a moment of time. Right. Great masterpiece. Well written. Just, I mean, if you're going to get so like it, if somebody's wanting a good collection of time albums, you know, Operation Minecrimes to get one. That was something else I want to touch on Pantera. I'm hoping people that are watching our show right now, maybe they're a little younger than us. You know, we live the time of when it was going on and, you know, they kind of get right there. Yeah, the gray hair, and they say, you know, maybe it's kind of nice to hear these guys' perspective from the moment. You know, usually if you want to catch up with a band, you're younger or you just now heard them for the first time, you go buy a Greatest Hits album. You, you can usually get the most bang for your buck doing that. If you do that with Pantera, and they've got a box set out now, get it, but you're not done. Let yeah. it absorb that and go, now i got to go get the rest of the album. And this is one of them. You're not, you're doing, don't, they're not a greatest hits album band. I'm a bigger fan of Pantera in June of 2021 than I was in June of 1991. And I, I hate to say it. I, when, uh, when Dime got killed, I rushed out and got the box set with the, the videos. It's almost like, uh, you know, you left your wife and you didn't realize how good she was till she's gone type deal. But you knew it was over, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to grab it before it gets out of print. And yeah. now, as time has gone on, I realize, like Lane Staley of Alice in Giants. You're I not felt getting like, back. You're not I getting felt, back, and it was great at the time. I felt like this was coming to a, a, a Pantera reunion, and I very much looked forward to it. And um, I probably would have went and seen Damage Plan if given the opportunity. I was. I mean, and that was something else that killed me. I was watching the schedule. I was real. The internet was going good by then. And I think that's another reason that Dime died because of the internet. But um, I was watching it hard. And they were going to come through Birmingham. And, man, I was on it. I was, I'd already planned on working a vacation around it. So I, could, I wasn't going to come into work late. And I was going to, I hate to say it, I was going to take a nap before I went to the show. But I really wanted the full effect of that show. And it really, I'm still disheartened over it. I would have loved to have seen it. Because I didn't get to see Pantera live. And just to see Dime on stage and Vinny, it had been good enough. I, I will tell you I the one thing it. I didn't like about a Pantera show. If you were older, which I was in my, probably, let's see, let me do the math. I know what you're about to say, and I, there's no I, way I, I do it. I was too old for the mosh pit. I was up what? in the seats, up on the grass, you know. Yeah, so, man, you know, it's funny you talk about the band, right? Yeah. So, future albums, I'm not going to get into it, especially this this environment that we're in now. But five minutes alone, that got written 
crowd's pretty tough, man. Yeah. And that went down because of a, crust, a, a tough crowd. There's no way I'd have gotten a mosh pit. They, they said there was guys coming out with two black eyes and broken hey, noses. There was some people I didn't want to mess with at a Pantera. Yeah, they come, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm coming here to romp and stomp. No, these guys were just coming to, to stomp. They were, <laughs> I definitely stayed back out of that mosh pit. Yeah, I'd, I'm like, I, I, sorry, where's the balcony? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> can you tell me where the weenie section is? Yeah. I'd like to go. Yeah. All right, man. So after much, much discussion, the third show will be Van Halen's Fair Warning. Yay! I get which to really comes at a hot time too, because Fair Warning is almost a bridge album, Mark, between where we're going with 1984 and Eddie Van Halen having a own studio in his backyard which Diver Down was recorded there. This is the last Van Halen stu uh, studio album not recorded in 5150. But I'm going to nerd out on you. Some was. He snuck off at night. Probably. I and that's how we got the dark sound. I get to really nerd out on you. Can't wait. Can't so, wait. Uh, we discussed several Van Halen albums. Uh, I, I'm... I, yeah, I do. I, go yeah tell them which one you wanted to do i think you want to do the I first was, one i was really wanting to do the first album or i, I kind of wanted to do diver down because it was done at eddie van halen studio but i gotta admit diver down is one of my least favorite van See? Halen albums I, I take diver down and i hold it and i, I love it i love it Eddie Van Halen is finally telling David Lee Roth, hey, man, did you check the sign in the behind the drum set? Yeah. It's Van Halen. And and Diver Down, so the, the three albums that come, uh, Fair Warning, Diver Down in 1984, was the explosion of the van, really. I mean, it was always, Van Halen was huge and coming, but, what happened next was the end and the beginning of the band. Um, I don't think, yeah, I don't think uh, there has been a true Van Halen album since Diver Down, Mark. Would you explain? Wow, man. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw a little wrench at you, and I know we're gonna talk about Van Halen all, but so I think with Van Halen, the rails came off because of MTV. And or it sure helped. And let me stop real quick. If you put on Hot for Teacher right now, if we had to rate best videos ever, great. That is a campy great video. But David Lee Roth became the video star, and kind of it came. The wheels came off. But man, fair warning. Oh my gosh, I could talk about it forever. And I can I can just go talk about the. Diver Down was for the studio or for the record label. Hey, you promised us an album. Van Halen's like, here's your album. By the way, we're working on 84. It's great. I I'm, I think one of the best things that happened to Van Halen was 5150, the studios. What I hate, Eddie Van Halen was a hot mess and he didn't categorize it good. They said so, it, they they said that there's music that will be lost because they don't know what's on the tapes. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that 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 they don't even know how to get through it. Um, now, 
I will give you my one critique of Fair Warning we'll be discussing. Fair Warning is, and I did buy the original album. Uh, I do remember, I, I for some reason got, well, I know why, and unfortunately they burn up in a house fire. Yeah. But I thought there were certain bands that albums were significant, and I had been collecting Black Sabbath, Van Halen, and I had some original Kiss. But Van Halen's one of the, the Fair Warning was one of the first albums I completely flipped from the A side to the B side. And that's oh, where yes. I start, start my listen. And I much prefer the B side of the album to, yep. the, to the A side of the album. So, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but there, there was a reason for that. And uh, it's uh, it goes back to the studio. And, so. and we were talking about um, that sound. Uh, Unchained may be the best rhythm sound of Eddie Van Halen's career. So we'll get it all. Nobody there. figured it out for a long time, man. Yeah. That's the other amazing part. Well, Mark and Michael is, Anthony, I can go on about him. Oh too. My Lord. I'm is Van Halen on any guitars and Michael Han Anthony's harmonies? I mean, Oh, he's Van Halen. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Mark, they, anything else you want to add to, uh, we are 90 minutes show, or so when about 90. We do it. We'll yeah. Do it. So yeah. So let me just let me recap on Cowboys from Hell, man. So if it's your, I hope, man, I would love to be the guy that gets to see the guy's face the first time he hears it, and just watch their head explode. It's a game changing album. It's a game changing band. Uh, they changed and made their own genre. Uh, everybody in that band that's got an instrument in their hand is phenomenal. Uh, it's just a shame at the end how things went, but you know what? That's life. That's why you need to enjoy the moment. And this is truly one of those you'll enjoy the moment when you're listening to the album. It's a fantastic album. And a must, it's a, to me, a must have. If you're going to have a small collection, this goes in it. Absolutely. This might make my desert island. You know? <laughs> well, yes, in all seriousness. So somebody says, hey, you got to have one album and you can have it with your Ball Wilson. If you had Pantera on there, I'd get by. Yeah. I'd get by. I was hoping to have three, but, you know. <laughs> Lawrence Welk. So, I really, um, I became a casual Pantera fan back at the height of Pantera. Right. Again, um, some of the surroundings of Pantera was a little much for me at times. Um, they were I, a tough man. Yeah, and you know, some of their fan base was questionable at times. Um, I never had an issue with myself. I didn't either, and you know, I didn't want to talk about it on here because of the political environment we're in. I think even if you let me caveat that. See, I watch the news and I'm like, man, what's going on? And man, they're politicizing everything. Don't kid yourself. It was going on in the nineties too, folks. Yeah. Yeah. And you would hear things about this band, and I like I don't believe what I hear. I got to see it, and you know you kind of take it two steps back, and you're like, man, this band's nothing like that. They're Texas rowdy. I always thought that could be another name for these guys. Groove metal, or Texas rowdy. You got a genre, man. And uh, I, I never had a problem ever a so. being a Pantera, flying flags. Having a sticker, I've never had a problem. Well, let me touch base on that real quick. I, I know we're going to wrap this thing up, but I went. I 
my being naive, I went uh, pre-COVID, I went to Tom Morello show with Rage Against Machine. That was the most threatening, meanest crowd I've ever been with. I mean, I had to get rowdy once with a guy that was with, with my girl. I'm like, dude, ain't happening. And then the next weekend, we're at Seven Dust. I'm like, it's going to get really bad. Oh, my God, this music I love is going to have a crowd. It was, hey, brother. Hey, you all right? Hey, man, I'm, I'm going to go get a drink. You want a drink? You're like, man, I don't even know you. That's all right, man. I'm heading that way. I was like, are we at a Deadhead concert? It was heavy metal Deadhead. And the liberal crowd at Tom Morello, it was like, oh, my gosh. So I don't want to get into the politics here. Where I'm going with this is, is Pantera got bashed pretty hard in the 90s, man. And I think it was unfounded. I uh, I wouldn't. I don't ever get in a mosh pit, though. No. <laughs> that's not my. I thing. had one start on me at Tom Morello, though, and I was like, "I'm like, it's not even a mosh pit. They're just rude." <laughs> I'm just a, but I've always been able to. Like I've legit earned the right to be in that crowd. Right. I've done. I've 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 done my share of living. That that has earned my right to be in that 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 crowd. Yeah, and I, I'll be honest too. I mean, I, we got the gray, right? It's kind of nice to be in the crowd and they see, well, who the who's grand who's grand who brought grandpa? Yeah, <laughs> grandpa. Grandpa's over there doing that, and like, oh, he's all right. Grandpa saw seven dust at freaking <laughs> Woodstock, so lay off of him. So, but <laughs> I I do want to mention one thing, and then we'll close this out. Uh, and that if that is. You know, if you get so wrapped up by a band that you think the right answer is to get a gun and go shoot somebody on stage, go get help, man. We lost a beautiful soul in Dimebag. It's somebody that I, I looked up to and that I admired just because some fan was unhappy that they were playing a, a different band. So if you if you somehow stumble across this and you think, that's the answer to any of your problems. Go get help, man. You need it. All right. Just don't do it. Just go get help. So I wish Dimebag was still with us, Mark. I wish I, both I, of them were, man. I just I, uh, I, I looked up to Dimebag, man. Uh, he was, you know, you talk about if you could have grew up to be somebody. Dimebag was on my list, man. Wait, so, so, man, wrap this up too. So you know, I got my fast forward rule. You know, I'm gonna fast forward that song. Um. Not many musicians I'd want to meet because usually when you meet somebody that you really, really like, you get disappointed. I've got a feeling if you met the dude, you wouldn't. You, I think you'd, get, you'd see for what you get is what you get, and you'd see a goofy old smile and, you know, probably a guy you'd Vinnie, like being around. Vinnie Paul was called the nicest man in heavy metal and by multiple people. So, Cowboys from Hell, rest in peace. Mark, oh, final man. words. I appreciate everybody listening. Absolutely. Um, I love music and uh, I'm hoping that, I mean, this is how I got sucked into doing this is I always wanted to just sit around the, you know, the campfire or whatever BS around music that I love. And it's getting, I don't know, there's so many distractions now in the, you know, Facebook and everything. It's hard to find an outlet where you can still do it. Yep. And with today's music, uh, matter of fact, I'd like to do a show on that is you know, the death of music when smartphones came out. It seems like that line divided it. It's hard to find. Um, it's hard yeah. to find new bands that I really love. So it's, oh, it's awful. They're, they're we're, looking, 
you just got to dig and dig and dig and dig and dig. Just like Faultline, the local band here. I mean, I hate to say this, but 30 years ago, those dudes would have been a huge. Oh, my gosh. Man. You know? Yeah. So that's, you know, shout out to local music. We, we saw them open up for Seven Dust. Boom. And we were lucky yeah. enough the guy's brother was behind us to fill it in on the tidbits. So. Yeah. I mean, if you find it, stick to it. Go see it. My daughter's 11, man. I, I'm on a mission to get her out to see as much live music as I can. And I, I would love to see somebody put in the comments, hey, found a band. Yeah. That used to happen, man. Yeah, it did. And I would it love did. to find some more music. I, I remember going to see um, Guns N' Roses and practically dragging people to see them, you know. Remember when they were hair, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When Axel used to tease his hair with pink Aquanet. So, well, Welcome to the beauty shop. Yeah. All right, man. Well, everybody, I appreciate you joining us. Like, follow, all that stuff I always forget to ask you to do. Do it. Do it. I enjoyed so, it. Talk to y'all later. All right. Take care. Frog Level Randy and Morgantown Mark is out. <laughs> Sorry, I'm out. <laughs>